Are you seeking fulfillment for your life? Do you want freedom from fear? That's why we're here. Welcome to Jesus 101, introducing you to the real Jesus. And now, here's your host, Elizabeth Talbot with Mike Tucker. I'm Mike Tucker. And I'm Elizabeth Talbot. People would come from all around to your house for a tasty treat. What was this tasty treat? I got to know, what what did you grow in your backyard? Well, aside from coming to visit us, because oh, we were special. That's why they came. It's just to see you, Elizabeth. <laughs> it's all about you. No, no, it's not. Uh, actually, we had a wonderful vine that we grew behind our home. And it was, uh, it was a special type of grape that would be so sweet. And I remember every summer we would harvest mm-hmm. um, this vine, and we had a lot of grapes. So my parents would bring a special machine, and we would bottle it, you know, mm-hmm. and it would last us the whole year long. And people already knew that we had this choicest uh, of vines that was uh, such a tasty uh, juice, and they would know about this. And you know, our friends would come and, and ask us, "Yeah, more of that juice." Oh, how wonderful! Yes. Well, that, that is sweet. You know, the truth is that Jesus referred to Israel as a vine. Yeah. There are two major plants that he referred to Israel as, I mean, that the Old Testament referred to Israel as, a fig tree and a vine. Yes. As a matter of fact, uh, Israel knew uh, that God talked about them uh, as a vine, as a vineyard, as a choicest vine. Mm-hmm. And the prophet Isaiah had um, actually uh, discussed this vineyard in detail. And today we're actually seeing a parable that Jesus talks about in which he starts the parable quoting this description of Israel as um, the the vineyard that God grew. This is found in Mark's gospel, chapter 12, and Follow along as I read, and he began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard and put a wall around it and dug a vat under the wine press and built a tower and rented it out to vine growers and went on a journey. Now, see the detail in this description Mm -hmm. of this parable. We have several uh, descriptions here. It was a a vineyard that Mm -hmm. had a wall around it, and uh, he dug a vat under the wine press and built a tower. I mean, there's many things in this vineyard. So, let's go to Isaiah, if you don't mind, so that we can see how exactly the same description matches here. Isaiah, uh, where do you want to go in Isaiah? Chapter 5, Chapter verses, five verses 1 and 2. Yeah, that's the one. Okay. Uh, it says here, Let me sing now for my well-beloved a song of my beloved concerning his vineyard. My well-beloved had a vineyard and a fer- on a fertile hill, and he dug it all around, removed its stones, and planted it with the choicest vine, and he built a tower in the middle of it. And he hewed out a vine, a wine vat in it, and he expected it to produce good grapes, but it produced only worthless ones. Okay, now this is very interesting because, of course, uh, all the Pharisees, the scribes, and the people of the law knew that this is a description for Israel, and and the exact uh, description with these details. Of course, they they know this verse, so they're they are with their minds going back to it. This is Israel, and Israel was supposed to produce good grapes. But it was producing only worthless ones, which mm-hmm. is which which is a tough thing to say. And this has to do with the context that we saw before of this fig tree and the cleansing of the temple that preceded. Right. And Jesus, he knows very well that the, the that the Jews understand exactly what it is he's talking about. He he knows that they they get this part of this. This is going to be a parable about them. And so, verse two. And at the harvest time, he sent a slave to the vine growers. 
in order to receive some of the produce of the vineyard from the vine growers. And they took him and beat him and sent him away empty-handed. And again he sent them another slave, and they wounded him in the head and treated him shamefully. And he sent another, and that one they killed, and so with many others, beating some and killing others. He had one more to send, a beloved son, and he sent him at, um, last of all to them, saying, They will respect my son. But those vine growers said to one another, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. And they took him and killed him and threw him out of the vineyard. What will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the vine growers and will give the, vine, the vineyard to others. Have you not even read this in Scripture? The stone which the builders rejected, this became the chief cornerstone. This came about from the Lord, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Okay. Now, it's very important to understand this as part of a whole narrative from the previous chapter. We told you in yesterday's program that the fig tree, the cursing of the fig tree, the cleansing of the temple, and this parable are a narrative unit. And I would like to explain a little bit of that, if you don't mind, uh, Mike, being that you took all this time reading by yourself. Oh, I see. Okay, so now it's your turn to talk, and you're <laughs> yes. going to shut me out of this. <laughs> no, let, go, let me explain. Go right this. ahead. I've got other things to do. Go ahead. Okay. Well, in chapter 11, verse um, 12, we have this enacted parable that Jesus comes to a fig tree that looks like it has fruit, but it doesn't. And then the, 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 the story is left there, and Jesus goes to the temple and says, look, this was supposed to be a house for all nations. Instead, you have made it a robber's den. This is being taken away from you. So he cleanses the temple, goes out, and Peter says in verse 21, look, Lord, the fig tree which you curse has withered. This is called an intercalation. It starts with the story of the fig tree, puts the cleansing of the temple in the middle, and ends with the fig tree being now withered because this, in fact, was an enacted parable of what was happening in the cleansing of the temple. This was a religious system that was supposed to have fruit, and it didn't have fruit, and it was being taken away from them. So now the parable of the vineyard comes to exactly explain why this vineyard is being taken away from them and given to others. Okay, you can speak now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for the permission to speak once again. You're welcome. Uh, again, this, this parable of the vineyard is a, it's a parable which makes me think. It makes me think seriously about my obligations before Christ. He has put his spirit within me. He, has, uh, he dwells within me. He has redeemed me. And now he expects me to begin to produce fruit. And, of course, the fruit that I'm to produce is simply to glorify him, to, re to reveal his character in my own, and to bring others into that process. This was what he wanted from Israel as well, simply to glorify the Father, to let the Father live in and through them, so that the whole world then could understand who the Father was and come to experience him. You know, this parable is specifically uh, talks about how they had come to reject the core of the gospel, right. which was the beloved son. Now, we might remind our listeners that that little phrase of beloved son was a big deal for Israel because they had another story of a beloved son that preceded it. Genesis chapter 22, the story of Abraham being called to take his son Isaac, his only son, his beloved son, 
and offer him as a sacrifice. Yeah. This was a very, very important story to them. And this is something, a story with which a Jew could identify with the impending death of Jesus. Yes, that's why the fact that Jesus is telling the story using the terminology of Genesis 22. This, the, the Jews called the binding of Isaac, is called Akedah. And they always said, this is the story of the beloved son. Mm-hmm. It was your son, Isaac, the one you love. The beloved Isaac is the one you have to take and sacrifice. And of course, you remember the story that in the moment of Isaac dying, there is an animal that dies in his place. In his place. And it's the first substitutionary statement that we have in the Bible, in the whole Bible of the animal dying in place of Isaac. And here we have now the beloved son dying again. That's right. Only there, there is no animal to substitute for him. And Jesus, of course, is referred to God as his father. He says, I and the father are one. And so, again, the, the Jews understood exactly what he was saying by that. Yes, and we have this, uh, uh, the, the end of the parable where they actually understand what he is saying. They realize that the system, the religious system of Israel is being taken away from them and expanded to everyone now because he, it was never meant that Israel would be the only people of God saved. They were to be the light to all nations. The covenant with Abraham was also that, to all nations. That's right. But now it's, it's being taken away from them. Uh, specifically, uh, they are, of course, included, but they are not the only ones that will talk about this. And they realize this in verse 12, and they want to kill him. Yeah, it says, and they were seeking to seize him. And yet they feared the multitude, for they understood that he spoke the parable against them. And so they left him and went away. So they understood exactly what he was talking about, the, the rejection of the nation of Israel as indeed the sole uh, proprietor of, of the grace of God, sharing that with the world. is not just you now. It's God has a new Israel, a new body that he's using for this, and this is a spiritual kingdom. Those who believe on, on Jesus Christ as their Lord, their Savior, yeah, you those can, who come to him. You can even read more about this spiritual Israel in Romans chapter 11 and other places in the New Testament where it says the new Israel is formed of all the people that are believers in Jesus Christ, Jews and Gentiles. And, you know, one of the things, Mike, that I love about this parable is how God treats us with grace, sending one messenger after the other, like in this case, but the the greatest message that he sent, he sent when he sent his son. Mm-hmm. And here, in some ways, there is a warning of, of not rejecting uh, the final uh, message from God that is his son. How many ways has God sent that message to you? Hmm. How many ways has he sent the message, I love you, please listen, you need to listen to me, you need to turn from what you're doing now. Lovingly, he has sent servant after servant, and very often we have rejected those servants, we have misused and abused them. And yet he says, I'm even sending to you my son, I have one message for you, I love you. You are mine. I planted you. I took care of you. I want the fruit from you, and that is to reveal my character. One of the saddest things is when religious people reject Jesus. If Mm. you think there's any other way to be saved than Jesus, you are mistaken. It's not the religious system. It's not the doctrine. It's not the belief. It's the person of Jesus Christ that saves you. When you believe in him, he changes you, and he produces his fruit in you. That is the fruit of the kingdom. That's what he desires for your life today. Thank you for joining us today on Jesus 101. For more insights and resources, connect with us at Jesus101.tv. That's Jesus101.tv. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Jesus101 Institute and follow us on Twitter at Jesus101 Media. 
Until next time, live free.